parents really upset. It was really fun. <laughs> yeah, I guess um, well, I forget where that was written, but there was that thing about you that you wrote in the read something. Oh yeah, the um, the read magazine thing about yeah growing mm -hmm. up objectivist. Yeah, which I definitely did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah. what was that like? Um, Yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, Sorry, if you want to not. No, it's cool. <laughs> I'm just, um, yeah, it was, um, I mean, there were good things about it. I feel like one of the reasons I care about philosophy a lot is because of Ayn Rand's emphasis on how important philosophy was. And I like the idea of production instead of consumption is the most important thing. But it's kind of a very judgy it's a judgy philosophy. It's very, you know, individually oriented. There's a lot about sense of life. Like if you like the wrong kind of art, um, it might indicate that you like the death culture. And as you may notice, I am wearing like an industrial metal t-shirt right now. So that didn't go over at all. But yeah. What, um, have you read her stuff? Yeah, I got into her in high school and kind of became a pretty big fan. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I think I still am to some extent. Mm -hmm. But I guess that it was kind of like her and Nietzsche were like my first experiences reading philosophy at all. I guess you probably wouldn't consider Ayn Rand to be really a philosopher. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I feel like a lot of her stuff's kind of cobbled together from other people, which I mean, whatever, she made it accessible for people. That's cool. But yeah, I feel like so the objective is movement, right? <laughs> um, which there is one kind of the problem with it is that it keeps fragmenting. Um, people argue about ideas and then instead of going well we do we disagree like the group splits on these ideas mm -hmm. like there have been splits on just absurd things and i feel like that's indicative of the problems i see with it it's very individual focused it's not really focused on i mean explicitly right it's explicitly not focused on building a community and therefore you, you can't build a community with it and i feel like that really limits it yeah that is definitely a good point there is no anran like society that isn't other than name. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, there's, you know, people are trying, right? But it's hard if you, um, I feel like it, it does good things for the individual, but it really overlooks collective needs, you know, which there are some. We're, we're a social species and yeah. Yeah. It's undeniable. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> At least for most people. Yeah. I yeah. suppose that, yeah, definitely it's, it, it's a good insight to like how you want to see your own life. But then once you see your own life fitting in with everything else, then there's a lot of complications maybe that it doesn't yeah. address at all. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I mean, you know, this is like a left perspective-ish. I mean, I don't know, the left doesn't think I'm left, but like, and we might disagree, but I do think, like, I feel like if, if we all started in the same place, if like there was a society where everyone was born and they all had the same opportunities educationally and they grew up with roughly the same amount of stuff, more or less, I think it would work really well, but I don't think that's what's happening right now at all. And I think if we ever wanted to even get to the point where we could talk about it seriously, we'd have to address all that stuff. Well, we will never address all that, right? No, we can't. I mean, there's inherent, always going to be, yeah. People have inherent biases that are regardless yeah. of rationality. Mm -hmm. <laughs> people are always going to be, you know, there's always going to be people who decide not to do anything with their lives and they're going to reproduce and then their kids are going to have nothing. And yeah. <clears throat> Yeah, that definitely seemed to be the starting point for me with that problem. Is like you don't yeah. you don't have a choice in your being born into your situation. So yeah, no matter what, there's always going to be some thing that's going to make this individualist approach like miss something. Like 
It can't yeah. just be you. There's factors outside of it. Yeah. But to me, I think that I would rather live my life, uh, if I had to pick one extreme, I'd rather live my life where things are up to me than if they're not. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I, <laughs> I I feel like she takes things too far sometimes, but I definitely like the idea of, you know, like, focus on what you can do. Don't be a victim. Do, you know, do your best for yourself. And I, you know, I think there's a lot of, there's a lot of virtue in that. I also like Nietzsche's perspective where like sometimes shit just happens. Like sometimes terrible shit out of your control happens and you have to you know, kind of go easy on yourself when that happens and calm down. I don't know. Yeah, there's some sort of balance, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Somewhere. <clears throat> what were the main, I guess, you probably felt pretty in line with it up to a point, right? Oh, yeah. No, I really, I was um, definitely, I tried to live my life that way for a really long time. Um, and that was, um, I mean, I think I have a pretty good work ethic, and I think that's where it comes from. But on the other hand, I, I uh, Ayn Rand holds up an ideal that's impossible to live up to. Um, and I think that causes a lot of objectivists to be depressed. Like the idea that we should all be striving to be Dagny Taggart, you know, three days on the train working so hard and loving every second of it and just for passion. And it's just, that's, it's unrealistic. And it also, I mean, we know like Ayn Rand did a lot of Beth, which I'm not, she, she, you know, like, I mean, this is, you know, amphetamines were a thing. A lot of people at the time, I'm not saying that her philosophy is invalid because she did meth. All I'm saying is that the thing about working for three days straight with no sleep is a good ideal with amphetamines, but maybe not without them. And I think that, I don't know, I, I eventually just realized that I need to have more human expectations for myself. Well, I thought you were going to say you, you just realized that we should all be taking math. <laughs> yeah, I just, eventually I just realized that Adderall was the secret. <laughs> huh, that's a, I, I didn't know that actually. Yeah, yeah. Now, a lot of a lot of Ayn Rand's critics use it to just be like, yeah, she was completely garbage because she was on drugs. Like, Jesus, how many philosophers would we have to throw out if we <laughs> threw out people that were on drugs? Like, all of them, I think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, let's... Uh, all the good ones. All the good ones. Yeah, <laughs> seriously. I guess that that's kind of an interesting point that it's like it presents an ideal that's impossible to live up to. But to some extent, that's not a very uncommon thing, right? Like it's true. in pretty much any religion, there's some godly figure that is like the impossible ideal. That's true. But I think that I mean, I'm not a religious person, but it seems like what people get out of that is they have a goal to strive towards. And although yeah. they might never feel enlightened or whatever <laughs> by reaching that goal, it gives them a structure in their life that okay. without they might just evolve. I yeah, I, I agree. Um, I'm not sure it's a good ideal. I think there's good aspects of it. I think, you know, wanting to be good at your job and wanting to be competent and create beautiful things, it means something to you. Like, that's awesome, but that's, that's kind of an impoverished life to me at this point. <laughs> I mean, like, there's got to be other stuff. You've got you've to make community. You have to enjoy hobbies that maybe aren't, don't produce anything at all. Like, I enjoy working with dogs. The dogs, it's not a productive activity. You know, dogs live for about 12 years, but... You know what I mean? Like, I think, I think it's like one dimension of a multidimensional life that's important, but it's not the whole thing. So maybe, though, for someone that is only in that one dimension of their life, yeah. that would, it would work well for them. Yeah. <laughs> I think that Daggy is... Taggart in the streets and, I don't know, someone else, anyway, is going off the rails. <laughs> well, I think there are examples of, like, really rich people that are like, yeah, I took my inspiration from Ayn Rand, and it's like, yeah. well, it worked for them. I mean, it doesn't yeah. mean it'll work for you, but... Mm -hmm. <laughs> 
Well, I mean, yeah, like it worked for them in the sense, I mean, like, God, you know, were they really happy? Like, what a stupid question, right? But like, are they though? I mean, like, they're, they're clearly materially successful. And I think that's important. I like material shit a lot. But there's other stuff. I've met plenty of really unhappy rich people in my time. I mean, look, read college for fuck's sake. Look at these <laughs> yeah, it's a good case study. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Wouldn't really call most of these people happy, per se. Then again, most of them aren't objectivists, so what do I know? Yeah, that's what they're missing. There it is. <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess that, that would kind of evolve to a, or <clears throat> it would reduce to like a data question, like how, yeah. what, what is the, I don't know how you would measure it, but quality of life, happiness yeah. of people based on their objectivism status. Yeah, but, hard, to, <laughs> hard if not impossible, surely, to measure, but yeah. Definitely, I feel like. I mean, obviously, it's just a subjective experience of it. But to me, mm -hmm. before and after, like thinking about objectivism, it gave uh, me a lot of feeling that if I took a position on a topic, then I could feel justified in that versus that there was no good position. So mm -hmm. picking one was just an arbitrary case. And it only mattered maybe mm -hmm. like to other people uh, what thing you, you chose. But to me, the objectivist philosophy kind of told me that there is a unit of value, which is yourself, that matters in that decision. And there is a right answer. <laughs> oh, I, I like the, yeah, and I, uh, um, the idea that there is, there is reality and there's like things that are good and things that aren't. There's a metric for it. And I really do like that, especially the metric of human happiness, which I think is a damn good metric. Um, I do think that if you apply it only to yourself, you can run into some problems. Not the ones people all like the idea, you know, oh, you're just going to be like a selfish bastard. Like, <laughs> that's not really what rational selfishness is. But I do think that sometimes you do have to look at the fact that like everyone is themselves. Like everyone has a self and that self is important. Even though you personally might care about yourself the most, <laughs> it's important to keep in mind that the other selves are real too. Yeah. Like human lives are yeah 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 it's definitely not covered in yeah <laughs> yeah no <laughs> no no not all the time and yeah. from a i guess to me looking like retrospectively uh, after reading something some stuff on like game theory mm -hmm. uh, it makes a lot of sense to me to think that like no one cares about you like you do <laughs> yeah yeah if, oh yeah and if you're yeah. going to look at general trends of how people act then it does make sense even if you care about other people, that mm -hmm. your actions start your life are going to reflect a central focus on yourself. Oh, yeah, and they, they have to. Yeah, yeah. totally. I, every time I've seen someone try to live their life any other way, it's, they don't, it's, it's a disaster and it doesn't even work because everyone's very, just naturally, I think they want whatever twisted version that takes, they want to make themselves happy or better in some way. A lot of the a lot of the virtue signaling I think on the left is that like people have given up the idea of achieving anything material or even spiritual, but they will put other people down to get that status, you know. Yeah, but people can really work or yeah work towards happiness, right? That's not a real goal. We can can work, yeah. Well, or, people can't strive for happiness, right? How do you mean? I mean, that's so abstract. I don't see how well, yeah. it could implement. Well, yeah, that's fair. It's like, yeah, it, it definitely isn't the end of your striving. Like, we should all be happy. Okay, now what? I agree. <laughs> <laughs> like, how do you get there? What is, what makes somebody happy? What, yeah. 
Well, I think the, I mean, the way that you pose that question makes me think like, well, obviously you're, you have to be happy because of something. Being happy is not mm -hmm. like a state within itself. It, it yeah. has to be a result of something else. So if you're like, well, I'll just become happy and then what? Like, then you'll yeah. be unhappy. <laughs> right. That's a good point. Like the fleeting feeling of happiness, like, okay, let's go get that again. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's not like once you've reached the threshold, then forever yeah. onwards, you're, you're <laughs> like, happy. I've done it. <laughs> Here's my trophy. <laughs> I've achieved happiness. Yeah, totally. That's a really good point. But it seems like a moment to moment thing that, I mean, mm -hmm. the question of how do I become happy will always be different. And the answer yeah. is be different. When there's the question of what happiness means in the first place, like is it that feeling like of joy that you experience occasionally, or is it like a state of being, kind of like the eudaimonia thing with Aristotle? I mean, <laughs> it could be. We just we don't have enough words in this language. Gosh, who was it that I remember reading something about how someone had thought of happiness as something that you can only achieve at the moment of your death. But <laughs> you oh, only... that's very Greek, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> I think that it was must, some Greek guy. It must guy. have been some Greek guy. Yeah. But it was less like happiness is your, the satisfaction of living your life correctly. <laughs> and you can't achieve that until you're done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and it makes a lot of sense to me. It like, does. Like, uh, oh, yeah. Right. Judge no man happy until. <laughs> yeah. It probably was that. <laughs> that yeah. <laughs> means you might have slept with your mom. <laughs> Damn it. Uh, mistakes. It's all downhill from here. <laughs> yeah. Or the female version of that. <laughs> uh, you're saying you can't do that as a female? <laughs> <laughs> Check your privilege, man. <laughs> Yeah, definitely reading all that stuff in Hume is very interesting. Yeah, yeah. But no more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. It really is a, it is a different, like there's similarities in thought, but it's all very different. Different ideas from the past that I think are really interesting. That probably relates a lot to uh, Jordan Peterson now, if we want to. Yes, let us segue into the impending fight, <laughs> perhaps. Well, uh, I oh, oh, I think we should, or I want to argue against, I think, what you guys were saying. Oh, sure. Before I, All right. I think once we get into Jordan Peterson, it's just going to take over. I suspect, yeah, <laughs> that will be the yeah. end. Uh, we can solve it. But I, I mean, yeah. it doesn't seem to me like people should strive for happiness or that people do that at all. Mm. It's like, if you, if you think of like what kind of goals people have, it, it's usually, it'll be something completely different. Like maybe an artist will uh, be really, um, they'll have like the goal of creating great art or um, someone who's into social justice or maybe most people will have like the goal of, of making, making the world a better place, maybe yeah. in some particular way, maybe by like uh, creating a school or, or whatever. Things like you could indirectly be happier by accident, but it seems like, yeah, that's not a goal that people have. Mm -hmm. Well, I still think that goes back to the, you know, joy versus eudaimonia thing, because if it's, I mean, you know, spending your life's life on like an artistic work might not give you a feeling of joy. In fact, it, it might be really painful, but 
I think you're still doing it to achieve a kind of fulfillment that I think is profoundly selfish, even if what you're doing is for other people in some way. Yeah, I think it can definitely be selfish, but um, yeah, I guess it, it just wouldn't be what we usually think of as happy. It could be, it's like a kind of meaning. Yeah, but what, yeah. what would uh, Ayn, Ayn Rand say? Well, I think that's a, a common misconstrual of Ayn Rand. Is yes. Like she, when she refers to selfishness, like there's the connotative selfishness that people use as like an adjective, mm-hmm. and then there's her selfishness, which is just anything that you do that has some part of it that is in goal of having you benefit. <laughs> so it's not that yeah. when you do something, it has to be 100% selfish. Like it can be good for other people too, but she would still consider it selfish if it's at all selfish. So I think if you talk about like school, like let's say you're building a school for a charity or something, um, you you wouldn't do that if you hated the school and you hated the kids and you hated the charity, right? So doing it in a way is making you happy, right? Yeah, but so you're not doing it with the express goal of benefiting or of benefiting yourself, but it is benefiting you. And it is because it'll make you happy. But if the advice is to do something that will benefit you in some way, that seems like really bad advice. Because, I mean, even if you're creating a charity, like if you could just be thinking, oh, I'm doing this on behalf of the children, and you could like get a deep, deep sense of meaning out of it. But if you suddenly think, oh, this is actually for me as well, then I think that takes away a lot of the benefit of doing something like that. And also, like, I mean, it seems like a real true thing that people um, are like happier when and find more meaning when they help other people out. Like that, mm-hmm. that seems um, like a thing. So it seems like bad advice to uh, tell people that they should um, do something that benefits themselves in in whatever way. Mm-hmm. It, it may be. It may be that it will benefit you, but you should just be ignorant of that, and that'll be better. <laughs> <laughs> So I think that so really... You should, then you should tell people you should um, live for others, not for yourself. Right. So I think mm. I'm, I wouldn't specifically make the claim that it'll make people more happy to think this way. And I think often cases it doesn't. But I think it, it has a truth in it and that that's how people live their lives. Like even if you don't think that you're trying to benefit yourself, you are. That's just what people do. Well, I think it... I mean, that you're, you're right about Ayn Rand being misconstrued in this way. The idea that you're supposed to be, you know, rational selfishness is like just, you know, doing whatever, taking the last strawberry, for example, because it's me <laughs> and I want it. Whereas, you know, there are other considerations, deeper considerations, like it's beyond the, the thrill of eating the last strawberry. Like maybe I want to stay friends with people. Maybe giving up that strawberry for something else would be better for me. Maybe devoting, you know, 10 years of my life to starting up a school in the inner city would give me more fulfillment and help other people at the same time than going out and buying heroin with that money, which would make me super happy right now. I don't know why all the drugs tonight. It's <laughs> not. Anyway, uh, but I think part of the reason it makes people feel bad to think that it was selfish is because we're told that we shouldn't be selfish. But I think it's okay to, to make yourself happy as long as you do it in a way that doesn't hurt people, especially if you do it in a way that helps people. That's awesome. Like That's a, it's a bonus, you know? <laughs> and I think it's a value within itself too. Like if you're just in a vacuum, mm-hmm. then doing something that'll make you happy, I would consider to be a net good. 
Yeah. Yeah, that's... Even yeah. if it doesn't affect anyone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. It's just very, a very paradoxical idea. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you make yourself happy by helping other people. But, I mean, if you have uh, the fact that you're also making yourself happy by helping other people, I, I think that would definitely take away <laughs> from the ha- enjoyment of helping other people. That's kind of a bit of a paradox, yeah. Well, in that sense, it's more of just like a question of science, right? Like, is it better for you to know the certain composition of some molecule or some piece of matter? And maybe it isn't. Maybe it'll make you grossed out about that piece of matter. But being grossed out about it will make you live a worse life (laughs) than if you didn't know. (laughs) So I think that Ayn Rand does go the further step to say that you should think this way and that that is how you should view your own actions. I don't know if that works for everyone. It probably works for some people, but and it works for me, I think. But <laughs> I think for, you're right, people do find a value in thinking that their actions are completely selfless, that they're just doing it for other people. And if that's good for them, then sure, I would consider that to be good. <laughs> Not because uh, it's helping anyone else anymore, but because it's helping them more, <laughs> right? Because if they feel like I'm helping people to help them or I'm helping people to help me and them, and they do the same thing, then I think it's better for them to feel happier and well to do the one that makes them feel happier. Well, like you're saying that, or am I saying what your opinion is correctly? Is like people find a value in doing things without thinking about how it's going to benefit them, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm saying that that's fine, but. I don't think that's what people are actually doing. Like that's just what they think they're doing. Well, I, I would I would disagree. <laughs> I mean, it's I think you can find examples of people being altruistic everywhere, and I mean it would make sense based on like the fact that we exist, like out of like millions of years of evolution, that like people were bound to groups, and I mean they had to help each other out and mm-hmm. trust each other. And, I mean if everyone just work to benefit themselves, we wouldn't get anywhere. But I think the reason that we do group together is because it feels good to do it. I mean, in a way, like states of, maybe happiness is even the right word for what I'm talking about, like feeling good versus feeling bad. Like it's like a biological motivator. Like it feels good to be with other people. It feels good to have community. It feels good to help somebody out. I mean, that's, it's a nice, it's thank God, because we'd be monsters otherwise. I mean, people who don't think about this very deeply do what makes them feel good. And it's, good that what makes them feel good is often altruistic. I mean, I, th- I think that's a feature, not a bug. I, I guess it, it does make people feel good, but yeah. I think it, the motivation is still, there's a separate motivation of doing things because it feels good, and there's mm-hmm. doing things because uh, you want to help people, and I think both of those exist. Mm-hmm. Fair. Thing about the Skinner rat, you know, like the, in the Skinner box, like with the, the shocks and the rewards, like, you know, you help people with rat, you know, you're a selfish bad rat, like our brains doing that to us. It definitely makes sense. And it doesn't have anything to do with like us being conscious moral beings. Like you can run a simulation where <clears throat> the little pixelated animals or whatever you want to call them, they'll do the things that work together to do bigger things because they survive more often. <laughs> So it might just be as simple as that as an explanation. But I think that just because it's 
it might make you feel happier to, to do something with a certain intent. But that doesn't mean the intent really matters to what you're doing or the truth of what's happening in the situation. Like I could still state that like you're acting to make yourself happy, <laughs> right? But I, I think that would be a very inaccurate view of people's psychology. Maybe if I... Well, it's not a statement about their psychology. It's just a statement about what they're doing. Wait, and you're saying that they're doing it to make themselves happy? Right. Yeah, that's, that's, you're saying something about their That is, yeah, that's, I think that's a psychological statement okay. on some level. And I, I would say it's a very inaccurate one. Like, you could, you could believe that, but I don't think that's how people operate. And maybe if, if uh, Miranda's saying something along those lines, that's something I would disagree on. It seems like she, I mean, she's probably, like, a kind of a selfish person. <laughs> like, because just like any artist or anyone anyone creative who like produces a lot on their own like mm-hmm. they're on their own lot and like you have to kind of have your own independent thoughts in order to create something that unique and, mm-hmm. and massive so i mean i think she's kind of she has like a ins- i mean she has an understanding of her own psychology and uh maybe she projects that onto everyone else I will say, I mean, I think we probably disagree on, you know, this this happiness thing we've been talking about, but you have, I think, put your finger on something about Ayn Rand that I I don't like, which is that she does extrapolate, I think, sometimes from her personal life to everyone. Um, I think a lot of her ideas about men and women, and we'll talk about that with Jordan Peterson soon, yay, (laughs) but she has ideas about men and women, masculinity, femininity. There's like some BDSM aspects to her books, and, you know, you go get yours, Ayn Rand. I think that's fantastic, but... She extrapolates that at times from her own personal proclivities to like everyone should be this way. And that's like the most obvious example, but there's others. There's some stuff about music, which is a sore subject for me because of the way I grew up. But she believed that there was like one kind of music that was ethical and it was like kind of like light jazz. What the heck? Right? No, I know. And, you know, maybe I've been, mis- you know, it, it, this might be a misinterpretation, but based on what I've read, the idea is that, you know, and then you meet somebody who gets deep personal meaning out of combi Christ, like me. And, you know, then suddenly it's the death culture. Now we've split and there's less society. I mean, my overall point, though, is that, yeah, I think Ayn Rand does sometimes extrapolate from personal to everybody in a way that's not great. Yeah, I, I think, like, especially for people that are, like, prone to agree with the message, like, I think it's basically like disagreeable people, which like libertarians are the most disagreeable. Oh my god! Of the, like <laughs> the personality trait, and then like Ayn Rand is obviously very disagreeable, like the trait disagreeable. And mm-hmm. I think like the more likely you are to like buy into her philosophy, like the more uh, you shouldn't buy into it, like the more you would benefit from acting like agreeably. Because like that's the side of yeah, the, the part of. Um, yourself that you might be missing or might be less involved. I have I, to say yeah. from years of knowing various subjectivists, you're not entirely wrong in my yeah. anecdotal experience. Yeah. No I, shade on you. I, 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 spent, I mean, I've spent a lot of time to live against it. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's a like self-reinforcing uh, bubble of rebuttal. Yeah. That's a funny thing to call bubble libertarians. Yeah. <laughs> it's, a, it's a weird fighty bubble, but there it is. <laughs> it's that Willie the groundskeeper meme, you know, 
Scots and everyone, the Scots and the Scots, damn those Scots, they ruined Scotland. It's libertarians. Exactly. Yeah, I definitely agree that she does extrapolate to other people a lot, and she said plenty of things that are just like blatantly false and stupid. Yeah, yeah. Remember that John Oliver video? We oh, saw? yeah. John That's Oliver covered her. Did he? I've ever seen. Oh, boy. All right. I'll have to watch that. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll show you. Oh, yeah. Right. We should watch that again. <laughs> yeah. It was pretty good. Yeah. Henry oh, showed it. <laughs> yeah. I think that definitely kind of like, like there's as much of Ayn Rand out there as uh, twice as much criticism of her. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah. 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 So I think like liking her at first. It made me feel like a rebel. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I oh, it is. <laughs> everyone else is wrong, but I think it also, like, after thinking about it for some time, it made me feel a little more humble about like she's basically stating like this is the truth. I know the truth. This is everything, and I think that to some extent she's right about a few things, especially with regards to epistemology. But other than that, she's kind of just like throwing at the dartboard. Like sometimes she hits, sometimes she doesn't. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I told him Henry in this, I, I think it's like libertarian pornography. <laughs> it, it is literally just pornography. I read Anthem and like half of Alice Shrugged and mm-hmm. that, that's all I know. But yeah, yeah. It's the main question. That's probably that's funny. Funny. Yeah, honestly, I think We the Living is her best book and really underrated. It's about Soviet Russia. And I mean, God, if anyone was going to know, it would be her. And I, I still think that's a really underrated book. But it's not as objectivist as her other stuff, for sure. <laughs> yeah, that's something I definitely appreciated about her with regards to her subjective experience and talking about that in a generalized way. It was like she had come from a certain perspective that was mm-hmm. very close to this topic that she's talking about and like at a societal level. Like, yeah, she probably was a little weird Russian over there, but <laughs> well, <laughs> not yeah. really fitting in with the community. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I can see why maybe you'd go away and just be like, fuck everybody. <laughs> but just... she, yeah, she definitely had experience with it, and she knew what it was like going from one place, one extreme to the other extreme. Yeah. So I think it has some credence to at least her analysis of it. Mm-hmm. But are extremism extremists, though? Huh? Well, I think she was afraid that the U.S. was going the wrong direction. Like, mm-hmm. I don't think she thought Definitely. it was a hell hole at the moment. But <laughs> yeah, I mean, she came here. Yeah, I don't know where else she would go. <laughs> well, I think she had an essay entitled "Don't Let It Go," which, mm-hmm. yeah, is exactly that, as I recall. Drawing on like things I haven't read in ten or fifteen years here, but. <laughs> <laughs> Oh yeah, let's oh, watch that. That yeah. sounds awesome. Oh my gosh. You wanna I don't think we can go watch it. Yeah, we can watch the Delta Tone. So what was the, the thing that pushed you over? Um <laughs> uh well I had um so I had a friend actually who had some pretty serious mental health issues and um I I treated it like I don't know. I approached it with a rather selfish attitude where I thought that he should, you know, that this was like hurting them, contrary to a lot how it was making me feel. And I was like, you need to pull yourself out of this and you need to, you know, stop. I don't know. I had, I, there were a lot of really bad things. And, and frankly, it, it, it hurt him in ways that I'll probably never forgive myself for. And that was the beginning where I'm like, hey, you know, 
either I'm misinterpreting this or there's some garbage in here. I should reexamine my life. And I did. And that's when I, I, you know, obviously from this conversation, like I still believe in a lot of it more than I thought actually. Um, <laughs> but not, not all of it. And certainly I think it's something you have to be, be careful about, you know, like let's value your own happiness, but don't lose your fucking mind and, you know, value achievement, but don't let that be the only thing that you strive for. And, you know, uh-huh. yeah. Yeah, I definitely get what you mean. It's kind of it's comforting at first to kind of think like everyone's problems like they can be solved if right. they put their minds to through it through individual effort. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, God, it it's just good. so motivating. Yeah. But when it really comes down to it, like it's just not practical. And I mean, it's practical. I think in a lot of situations. Um, and actually, I think Jordan Peterson talks about it a little bit, mm-hmm. where it's it's not as much getting help as it is coming to terms with what you need to do to help yourself. But I think if you just say, it's up to you, <laughs> figure mm-hmm. it out, that's definitely not helpful to a lot of people. Yeah. No, I feel like at this point, like, I feel like individually my response to me is what do I need to do to help me? And my response to the world is trying to be more like, what do I need to do to help you? Mm-hmm. Instead of you need to help yourself, which is also true, but it's not a good way to approach the world if you want it to be better. Exactly. You know? Yeah. Did you find it? Oh, no. Here, I can try on my Apple device, which will <laughs> definitely not at all completely fail. Oh, nice. You got the fire sticker. Yeah. Yes. Got the oh, frog's yeah. panther. We that too. Yes, yeah. yes, we do. Yeah. Um, heck, I guess YouTube? Do you think it'll be on YouTube or it'll be on HBO? Yeah, it's on YouTube. Yeah. Okay. Just yeah, like just John Oliver. John Oliver. <laughs> yeah, I, I suspect there's just the one. <laughs> All right, yeah. let's see. He makes good work of her. I thought this was so funny. <laughs> How is this still a thing? All right. Yes. <laughs> and now, last week tonight asks, "How is this still a thing?" This week, Ayn Rand. How is she still a thing? Three decades after her death. The writer Ayn Rand is still the subject of serious debate, and not just over how to pronounce her name. Ayn Rand or Ayn Rand or however the moderns pronounce it. Ayn Rand, not Ayn Rand. Ayn Rand, Ayn Rand. Why is it called Ayn Rand? Ayn Rand became famous for her philosophy of objectivism, which is a nice way of saying being a selfish asshole. Why is it good to want others to be happy? To make others happy when and if. Rand illustrated her beliefs in novels like Atlas Shrugged and The Fountainhead, stories of rapey heroes complaining about how no one appreciates their true genius. My work done my way. Nothing else matters to me. And if that reminds you of anyone, it's probably someone like this. <laughs> Until I'm done with my Lamborghini entrance, no Ayn Rand has always been popular with teenagers, but she's something you're supposed to grow out of, like ska music or hand jobs. <laughs> Curiously, though, Rand's popularity persists among a certain type of adult. Mark Cuban, how many times have you read <laughs> Three complete times. You know, it's funny because I'll pick it up when I need motivation, but then if I read too far, I get too much motivation. <laughs> I get too bitter. Mark Cuban's favorite book is about a misunderstood visionary who blows things up when he doesn't get his way. Cuban even named his 287-foot yacht Fountainhead, because sometimes having a 287-foot yacht 
just isn't enough to warn people you're a douchebag. <laughs> and Rand's influence extends even further. Ayn Rand, more than anyone else, did a fantastic job of explaining the morality of capitalism. I am a big fan of Ayn Rand and read all of her novels. Now let me encourage any of you who have not read Atlas Shrugged to go tomorrow, buy Atlas Shrugged and read it. However, Ayn Rand is an unlikely hero for conservatives because she was also pro-choice. A man who claims to defend rights and objects to the right to have abortion, that's no defender of rights. And anti-God. I am against God for the reason that I don't want to destroy reason. No, not that one. The real God. What do I think of President <laughs> The best answer to give would be, but I don't think of him. And the more I see, the less I think. And in case that's making you start to fall for her, take a listen to her views on Native Americans. I do not think that they have any right to live in a country merely because they were born here and acted and lived like savages. <laughs> Why would conservatives hold up as their idol someone who says things like that? Especially when there are so many other advocates for selfishness they could choose. <laughs> like Donald Trump. Part of the beauty of me is that I'm very rich. Or Drake. I'm a worry about me, give a about you. To basically anyone on Bravo. I want kill you. All of which is enough to make you wonder, Ayn Rand, how is she still a thing? Oh boy. <laughs> Oh, in that. We watched that before all that. Oh, oh yeah. God. When was that? That must have been 2014. Yeah. Man. Yeah. I'm just. It's hard to remember a time <laughs> when Trump was funny like that, where it was yeah. like absurd. <laughs> I'm only. When is this? Maybe it'll say. Um, 2014. Yep. Wow. Jeez. Before, uh, before it all happened. Yeah. <laughs> I think I saw this great meme recently. It was like. Colbert goes up and he's like Trump and everyone's like boo and then it cuts to him saying like bad and then everyone's like yeah <laughs> wow accurate yeah. description of dialogue in 2018 yes <laughs> yeah. yeah so now you've seen it that's awesome that was that was pretty great actually <laughs> yeah I grew up with that Native American stuff too hmm. okay. I thought that Pretty you significantly. Live, you didn't live with many Native Americans? No, no, not really. No. Um, were you yeah. religious growing up? Was that? Were you religious? No, no. Um, I mean, my family's the real deal. They're militant atheists. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. So, which is, I always like confused me seeing Ted Cruz worship out the shrug. Like, you know, Ayn Rand hated you, right? Like, hated you. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty funny. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Yeah, I didn't know conservatives were holding her up as her up their idol, but yeah, it especially is. recently, yeah, it's weird. Have you listened to Aaron Brooke talk about stuff? Um, a little bit. Um, I grew up a little bit with him. I haven't listened to a lot of his stuff, um, but yeah. What, what's your uh, what's your opinion on Aaron Brooke? I think he has a lot of interesting things to say about economics specifically. Mm. I haven't really listened to much else about his thoughts. Yeah. I feel like he just kind of rambles about things a lot. That's of kind of honestly, yeah. Like I was trying to think, like, what can I remember him talking about? And the answer is I can't at all. <laughs> um, yeah. 
He's done some things with uh, Dave Rubin. Um, oh, really? Stuff. Yeah. Huh. And it turned out pretty well. I think he did yeah. a panel with Jordan Peterson, Dave Rubin. Mm-hmm. Oh, you saw it? I haven't seen it, but I've heard a lot about it. I need to watch it. I Yeah. It was at Ocon. I'm guessing it's Objectivist. Yes. Con. I went to Ocon in oh, really? 2004, I believe. Nice. Yes. <laughs> yeah. How old were you then? I was 16, oh. and I was... I didn't really get a lot out of it. I feel like if I'd gone a little bit earlier or a little bit later, it would have been better. <laughs> but I was like 16 and tired, if that makes sense. You know, like you're just like, I just want to go away and go to college. <laughs> anyway, yeah. I also got yelled at for asking about Thomas Jefferson and slavery. So it was probably a bad sign for my adherence at the time. Like one of the speakers said something about how he'd explained already, you know, why the fact that Jefferson owned slaves wasn't, you know, didn't invalidate him as a man. And I said, look, I'm not arguing, but could you reiterate it? Because I, I don't remember you saying that. And he's like, I did say it. He didn't <laughs> explain it. And I was like, dude, I'm like a 16-year-old girl. Why are you mad at me? <laughs> yeah. I thought that was a fair question, so I never did get my answer. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. That's such a huge deal now, though. Like, yeah. It's kind of, yeah. it's weird how people use that argument just mm-hmm. to like, it, it's so arrogant. Because it's, it's obvious that, like, with anyone, like, Gandhi was, like, a blatant racist and sexist. Like, mm-hmm. you can find faults with literally every major figure in history. Yeah. And it seems like the only goal is to tear down anyone that disagrees with you with that mm-hmm. argument. Yeah. But, well, yeah. The that, yeah, the thing that drives me crazy is there's the side that's, like, he owned slaves, therefore he's worthless. And then there's people who are, like, he wrote, you know, the Constitution and all this other shit, therefore he's brilliant. And it's, like, you know, he was... A slaveholder, which is shitty, who did a lot of really brilliant things. He's both. No one's a fucking saint, you know? Yeah. yeah isn't that hard to believe? <laughs> right? I know. Shocking. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I guess to some extent, though, with people that are remembered in history, like, you only remember yeah. the real big things. So yeah, You can't really true. make a judge of their character. Yeah. Yeah. I think of it also in the context of, like, the society at the time like i think Mm -hmm. if i lived back then and i was in his position it's probably likely that i would have owned slaves yeah like it's pretty much undeniable and that doesn't mean that i can't judge him for that 100 years later Mm -hmm. (laughs) sure 400 years later but i think that to some extent that does play into it like Mm -hmm. i think i had a discussion with someone about this and i was saying like in nazi germany like pretty much every almost every german citizen was complicit yeah and do we now say every like German citizen now has to blame their grandparents for the Holocaust? Like, to some extent, yes, and to some extent, mm-hmm. no. Like, it's not as simple as that. Yeah, not at all. Yeah, no, it's weird how everybody thinks that they'd somehow have been born with modern sensibilities if they'd been born in some other time period. It's yeah, pretty arrogant, actually. <laughs> Ridiculous. Yeah, and I think to some extent, I guess, I, do we want to go into Jordan Peterson now, or do we want to talk about some other things? Uh, sure. Um, I think that a lot of his that I've heard him talk about the Bible with it was really eye opening to me because he expressed it in a way that was like relative to the time Mm -hmm. that it was written because I think like so many people now say like oh the Bible had all these ridiculous things in it that don't make any sense Mm -hmm. and it's like well if you lived 2000 years ago then you might have thought differently and it might have had a different impact so I think that just kind of a general comment that I thought was interesting yeah, and I certainly, <clears throat> excuse me, I mean, I would, I would agree. I haven't heard him talk about that, I don't think. But yeah, I mean, 
a lot of I know a lot of the things in Leviticus that seem really dumb to us were like there were like sound medical reasons that people didn't understand why it was the case. But they're just like, don't fucking do it. Like, just don't. God exactly. said so. Stay alive. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I don't know if that's what he was talking about, but yeah, I think I mean pretty much that, that's the idea. It's like there are high level explanations for things that we later find out the real explanations were. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's what makes Jordan Peterson such a fascinating person for me is that I agree with about half of what he says, like pretty hard, actually, like really passionately. And then there's other stuff. So, yeah, let's talk about that. Portland, Peterson coming to the lion's den, being protested by Antifa. Oh, my God, that was hilarious. (laughs) Ridiculous. Yeah, me and Yuda were on the bottom floor area. Yeah. I was too. I wanted to get balcony, but I uh, I got my tickets too late, so I was like in the like the nosebleeds, but on the bottom. It was it was yeah. Nice. Yeah, it's too bad yeah. we didn't see you. I know, right? <laughs> I had no. I didn't. It just didn't even occur to me that people I knew would be going, and that was dumb. Like I should have put it out, but yeah, it's too bad. Yeah, we were really lucky to find it, and we were both like in town, so mm-hmm. yeah, we were lucky. It would have been pretty easy to see each other be in a wheelchair. Oh, oh yeah. did what? What so, yeah. happened? <laughs> yeah, uh, I don't know. It's kind of like a long story. Oh, yeah. I guess, <laughs> I guess, I guess you don't know. We continued the nostalgia. Yeah, basically, <laughs> I I took too much acid and I, I jumped in front of a train. <laughs> oh, shit. Oh, I'm glad you didn't die. Yeah. <laughs> Congratulations on not. Shit. All right. Well, I'm glad. Yeah, you seem to be better now. That's good. Yeah, I've definitely it's made progress. Yeah, by guess. the way, podcast goals. We're th- we've already mentioned three drugs. Let's see how many we can work into this conversation. True. Good point. I feel like they make, I feel like we can keep this up. But uh, yeah. yeah, we talked about drugs all too, and every time we're like, why didn't we do that? <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like something we try to avoid now, but not doing very well. <laughs> trying to avoid it. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know. So let's see. Jordan Peterson's views on weed. Let's talk about that. Oh yeah. Does he have views on weed? <laughs> no, <I'm just> kidding. <laughs> he did talk about the time he got really drunk in the uh, the Q and A, but I'm not quite aggressive. Yeah, he smoked. You know, or he has. Sense. <laughs> anyway <laughs> anyway yeah so uh, i mean like i wrote a thing about it obviously i wasn't terribly impressed even though i agreed with him on some stuff how did what did you think of him i mean i guess my my overall attitude is just i mean he's an academic and he's not mm-hmm. like mainly a political thinker and like he has a lot of interesting uh views on psychology and he's done like a lot of good research and mm-hmm. I mean I, I find him really fascinating to me I think probably just for the same reason a lot of people do like there's mm-hmm. I mean it's kind of absurd that there's an academic who has this like cult following you know? yeah it is a strange phenomenon <clears throat> on, on like there's obviously like very rabid fans and then there's also like people that are equally rabidly opposed yeah and most people that like buy his books and Electric are like in between, but mm-hmm. um, I think I think about your piece. I, yeah, I definitely have like the opposite, or my approach is yeah, he's just like an interesting thinker. Um, but mm-hmm. yeah, I think it's it would be. I don't think I can like uh, really argue about about it. It doesn't seem like the same kind of thing you can argue about because he mm-hmm. looks at 
an opinion about Theophil Man, but I, I definitely do think I, I definitely did have experience on like particular points. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. yeah. Well, and I agree. I mean, and I I tried to avoid this in the thing that I wrote. Like, I I feel like a lot of people like to speculate on Jordan Peterson the man. Like, what what does he mean? Like, a lot of the left demonizes him as like this like weird antichrist figure who's like malevolent, and then a lot of the uh, you know his super fans like lionize him as this almost father figure. And I mm-hmm. I don't think it matters who Jordan Peterson is. I think it matters what he says and what he does. And that's what I hope. Yeah, we, we should definitely talk about. But, uh, yeah, there's definitely Jordan Peterson, the phenomenon, and then there's Jordan Peterson, the person. Yeah, yeah. And, like, I mean, I don't think I'll ever probably meet him. I doubt we'll ever be mm-hmm. friends. So it doesn't matter to me, particularly, like, whether he's a, a like, pleasant company or whether he's, you know, plotting to destroy it, something. I don't know. Just whatever. I don't care what he thinks. I care what he says and what he does. Yeah, it is interesting how fast people go through that point where it's like his intent must be bad like, yes it doesn't really matter what he's doing or what he's done it's what he plans to do yeah <laughs> it's this weird paranoid style of everything right now where everything is a conspiracy and everything has yeah which yeah. i mean you could argue i did some of that in my, my piece where i talk about you know hidden double meanings and you know that's a little bit conspiratorial and maybe unfair <laughs> but yeah, I have, I mean, you know, like the thing I talked about with like the incel encouragement, I mean, I went to the incel forums and like the things that he said about enforcement monogamy were taken very positively in those communities, not universally. Some of them felt that he didn't really understand their pain, that it was all, you know, bullshit, but a lot of them, you know, thought he was an ally, which, yeah. <laughs> Being an incel himself. <laughs> <laughs> yes, apparently. <laughs> the, ma- the married incel. Yes. Yes. But, yeah, I, I, I'm always hesitant to talk about like the community around some topic, just because mm-hmm. to me it seems the internet has an undisputable ability to just whenever there's a community, there's always going to be people at the edges that are just going to make all the noise and That's true. destroy the conversation from anyone looking from outside. Yeah. If you're if you become like immersed in the community, I'm sure that you can distinguish people. But from outside, mm-hmm. it's so easy to just point to the people that are the loudest. And I think to some extent, yeah. that is what happens with Jordan Peterson. But I also think that I don't know to what extent that happens. And I am not at all like connected to anyone else who cares about Jordan Peterson other than Muta. <laughs> so it's hard for me to judge like yeah. what his effects are on people. Mm-hmm. But to me, it does seem like he he qualifies his um, opinions and his statements a lot. And to someone that is just trying to like, like if he wrote a book a hundred years ago and we were reading it, I don't think that people would be taking him like a lot of people are now. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's and that's one of the one of the problems I see with him is that it's not a hundred years ago; it's now, and he could he has a platform. He's got, you know, social media, people really follow it. If you, he can see in real time how his work is being taken and he has the option to denounce elements that are taking his work in ways that he doesn't like if he doesn't like them. And I noticed that there isn't a lot of that going on. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I I think, yeah, that we can get into that because I think like Mm -hmm. the the details are, the devil's in the details when it comes to that. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, But I, yeah, I guess we can. Okay, one one part I found. Uh, okay, one of your disagreements that you had with him. Um, mm-hmm. uh, 
Yeah, get ready for the Inquisition. <laughs> or, or yeah. ammunition. <laughs> yeah, I didn't write this to make friends exactly. <laughs> I guess we don't really have any. But you questioned that he said that there is a difference, biological difference between male and female, or men and women. Men and women, yeah. Yeah, what did he mean by that? So the thing where he just kind of, the thing that bothered me was that he slipped it in as something that, and look, you could, that's another, like so many of Jordan Peterson's things, you could take it two ways. If you're talking about there's a biological difference between biological sexes of man and male and female, then like, yes, obviously, right? But he was talking about it in the context of personality differences. He just talked about personality. Then he talked about biological differences between men and women, and then he talked about biological differences between Democrats and Republicans. And I think in that context, he seems to be talking about fundamental personality differences between men and women, and I don't subscribe to that. And I think that's a controversial statement that you can't just slip okay. in there. Uh, well, I would say that's not a controversial statement, and I, I think I definitely agree, agree with that. Because, mm -hmm. I mean, uh, Okay, we can agree that there's biological differences. Yeah, there I mean, are. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It's not controversial yet. We're having a controversy. <laughs> right, well, that's the thing, right? And I mean, look, of course, there are obviously there's some fringe elements of like the trans community that would find this whole thing just abhorrent. But the fact is we, we come out with different bodies and that's true. But the, the, the question is how much does that influence the brain? How much do, are men and women different personality-wise? And what is gender versus sex and all that stuff? Uh, Okay, well, I, I guess, yeah, it's, it's not really something we can uh, debate. We just have to look at the literature on the mm -hmm. uh, differences in personality between men and women. Okay, I, I mean, <laughs> I, I assume there's hugeness. Just because, like, I mean, what about, like, uh, testosterone? Like, men have, like, ten times as much testosterone. Don't you think right. that would have some kind of effect on how men act. I mean, I, that, that, they, seems, that seems fair, and I'm like emphatically not a biologist, so I don't know. What I do know, or what I, like, what I suspect, right? And this is, again, this is like awkward conversation because I don't have any, any evidence, and I'd like to see some from a biologist, not a psychologist, but um, I think there's going to be some overlapping bell curves of, of men and women, and I wonder if the diversity within men and women is greater than the diversity between them if that makes sense like if there's enough of an overlap between those two curves that even though men might skew slightly more one direction and women might skew slightly in another direction overall there's enough middle ground where there are many plenty of men and women in whatever category you're talking yeah, about but i mean that's that's the same with like any any churches really yeah, yeah. but but, so, but i think you can still generalize and say uh this group is like more Agreeable than one other group if, mm -hmm. on if there's an average difference. That's fair. And because also, like, even if on average it's very like similar, it it, mm -hmm. it does end up mattering, especially on the extremes, because you'll have like maybe three times, um, or let, let's say I, I think one difference, uh, personality difference between men, men and women is that uh, women, or th there's something like uh, women are more interested in. Uh, fields that are related to um, 
like people and mm-hmm. men tend to be more STEM um, object related fields like engineering, um, math, or things like that. And then women are more likely to choose like psychology or social sciences. Yeah. But it, on average, like that difference um, doesn't matter too much. But on the extremes, mm-hmm. it, it ends up mattering just uh, just because the people that are intellectual tend to be that's true i also think with stuff like that there's a real question about nature versus nurture and it's it's really hard to disentangle and maybe impossible because in almost every culture and i'm sure jordan peterson would have some interesting words as to why this is but women and men are are raised very differently from birth there was an experiment i really enjoyed uh where they dressed up a baby in blue clothes and walked the baby around a park, and then they took the same baby, put it in pink clothes, walked it around the park, and observed how people interacted with this like infant in completely different ways. Like they were a lot more rough with the boy, they were like more cooing with the girl. I mean, how do you disentangle that from biology? I don't know that you can. And I think it's dangerous to forge ahead and just kind of do it haphazardly because they're you don't want to limit somebody's self-determination. I mean, I'm a very masculine woman. I've done, you know, I joined the army at 18. Like I've never fitted. Like every time they have an article about like men are like this and women are like this, I'm like, oh look, I have a penis again. <laughs> and I don't, I'm a woman, but like it's, it's, it's a little bit personal in that I don't, I think it's dangerous to put people into these boxes that they so often don't fit into. I think it limits them. I think that's definitely a good point. And I think that's what, what I would say a lot of people have wrong with that argument, right? Because they're mm-hmm. like, well, I know a lot of men that are not like that, or they're like, right. I'm, I'm a man, and I think more females are more uh, disagreeable than I am, <laughs> or something like right, that. Right, right. And there's all sorts of like kind of personal experience that you can have with that, because mm-hmm. you are in one of those categories, and it is very personal. Right, I mean, it's personal for everybody. I think that's why there's so much uh, angst about it, and people get so upset. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and like some people might be really extreme, but I think nobody is like at the average for their group and I see on, on every measure like mm-hmm. I'm not an average male in every way like right. I don't have the, the exact same preferences what how <laughs> 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 dare you <laughs> yeah but I mean <clears throat> if it doesn't I don't know I, I still I question how useful it is then if it I mean I hear what you're saying about that the edges but Again, I'm, I'm just not, I guess I'm going in circles now, but mm-hmm. I don't see how you can disentangle nature and nurture in this. Well, I, well, I think on, about your example, I don't, yeah, I don't know either. I mean, that, that would just, I guess that's just like a, something researchers can figure out. But yeah, I don't know, with something like your example with the dressing up a person, I, f- I feel like that wouldn't have much in a, of an impact on how uh, children would be raised. I think because, like men, um, like biologically, like have like a lot more testosterone and mm-hmm. and just stuff like that. Just, I mean, but but I, testosterone yeah, doesn't. I mean, doesn't control for everything. They might. It might predispose men to be more aggressive overall. Mm-hmm. Again, though, the question is how much of an overlap is that, and how much of it is because girls are told from birth to be sweet and be nice, whereas boys are told to be adventurous and you know, all this, all this stuff that everyone's, everyone's heard before, these arguments about how we're molded to be a certain way, mm-hmm. and we might be more predisposed to be that way overall, like one biological sex to another, but I, I question 
whether not at the extremes, it really has any kind of bearing on who we are as people. Well, I think especially on the extremes, it has a difference. Like, uh, like men, I think, are slightly more disagreeable on average, but like, there's a lot of like criminals are almost exclusively exclusively men, and you can mm -hmm. just find the ratio that would be men based on like personality characteristics. Like, you can predict that, and I don't know, people do that. Mm -hmm. But I, I guess I do. I definitely have an intuition one way about how much of people's uh, gender uh, personal. Uh, I guess gender roles are determined by culture, and my intuition is that it, the culture doesn't play as as big a role. But I, I guess I don't. Yeah, I don't have the all the research to back me up. Well, I think like the obvious kind of like thought experiment would be like imagine raising a child from birth without ever like giving it any sort of gender cues, I guess, mm -hmm. would be like, Which people you know, are, are trying to do now, which is interesting. Yeah, I think that it's a little early to do that with your own child. I kind of think so, <laughs> too. And I'm not sure how you can do it, and I'm... It seems... I don't know. I have really mixed feelings. It seems like a really good way to make sure that your child is completely ostracized, which, like, might be more harmful than, you know, giving them a gender that they might later reject in, in favor of a different one. Which, for the record, I have zero problems with. Life is really hard, and... Whatever people have to do to get through it, I'm all for. But yeah, yeah. But I think uh, something that I mean, he doesn't reference it in this talk, but something he talks about in a different talk is that if you rank order countries by their gender equality as mm -hmm. uh, some metric, mm -hmm. then if uh, gender equality decreased the kind of segregation of men and women in certain fields, mm -hmm. then you would expect that the gender equality or the, the gendered society was the one imposing the uh, gender norms onto the people, right? Mm -hmm. But according to his findings, actually the segregation increased as you made the societies more gender equal. Like as in like field by field segregation? or Like by what professions huh. they went into. Interesting. Yeah. Hmm. So to some extent, that is a little bit of evidence that the innate factors of people were more at play in those societies and led to more segregation. Obviously, like there's only so many countries, so it's a pretty small sample size in terms yeah. of units. Well, and I also think, I mean, gender equality is, is important, but it's it's a squishy thing in that it doesn't <laughs> take into account like what people are being told by their parents or what people are being told by the people around them or what kind of lessons they're absorbing. Um, there have been some interesting studies about math anxiety in girls, um, which is apparently a uh -oh. thing, but they found that girls who have a female teacher with math anxiety are more likely to have it themselves. Like, not boys, girls. And you could argue that's because girls are more prone to it because they're not as good as math. Or you could argue that they're seeing women performing math anxiety and then that becomes part of their gender performance as well and i don't actually know how you would disentangle that i actually don't know how you'd find out but i mean obviously i have an intuition that's different than yours on that but i don't actually know math like a math teacher with math anxiety that seems like such a right? i know right well i'm, I'm thinking it's like this is like primary school right like you know you oh. have like the teachers that teach everything and I, th I definitely had some teachers like that and i wasn't very nice to them because i usually was better at the maths but <laughs> i'm an asshole about it anyway. Well, that seems like a perk. <laughs> <laughs> I think, yeah, I mean, there, there could definitely be effects like that, but I, I think I've heard like the explanation for why a disproportionately large amount of women drop out of math is that mm -hmm. women who are very talented in math also tend to be very talented in uh, mm. 
like the language of medieval well, mm-hmm. men who are extremely talented in that. Like they're already overrepresented, but even beyond that, um, men that are extremely talented in math tend to be very or not as talented in, in other areas. Mm-hmm. So they select, they choose to stay in math. It's interesting. I, I guess, uh, I mean, it, it, it would be really hard to uh, find the effect of uh, society's expectations on like what people choose, but I yeah. think what I'm mostly, what I would be worried about is whether there's like discrimination based on like what, if someone like chooses to do something and then there's, uh, if they're been discriminated based on that, then I would be worried. But yeah. if like they choose to, to want to do something, I, I, I'm not too worried that they were somehow influenced to do that by society or mm-hmm. whatever. Yeah, I mean, I feel like that is exactly where we run into issues is like, look, if there's, you know, various biological predispositions, all very well and good, that'll work out. But especially if they don't apply very uniformly or if there's a significant overlap between the two groups, like making generalizations, I think, can lead to some of that stigma, even if it's not on purpose. And sometimes it it could be on purpose, you know, questioning gender performance if you do the wrong, if you're interested in the wrong things or you're good at the wrong things. It just... It's stupid. It's a stupid worry that no one should have to, you know. Well, I, I mean, it shouldn't be applied to any individual. Like, yeah. Clearly, doesn't. But it does, sorry, it doesn't really say anything about. That was a long history. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, you've got stuff like Peterson himself. There was a, a tweet which I actually I looked for context of, and there really was none. It was just out of nowhere where he basically speculated that the reason feminists were so angry is that they craved contact with an infant. Yeah. So. That effectively dismisses an entire group of people, childless women, in a way that I find it makes me uncomfortable. I'm sure there are some women who crave that contact. In fact, I think biologically, human beings like babies a lot, but that kind of thing puts people into boxes that I really don't like. Wait, but I'm not, I'm not talking about the tweet at all, but mm-hmm. do you think that um, women, that mothers are have like the same emotional attachment to their babies that fathers do? I mean, probably not. Um, I mean, based on what the little limited biology I've read, I will con- <laughs> con- I will uh, concede that it seems that being pregnant changes the woman's brain in ways that frighten me. Um, like apparently they lose gray matter, which is crazy. Oh. Yeah. Um, so no, I mean that's that's that seems real, but I'm also not sure that I feel like that is an example of applying possible real biological differences in a way that limits people's ability to be who they are. I, okay, I'm, I'm sure some people uh, would do that. I would argue Jordan Pearson did. But mm-hmm. I, I don't, that tweet, I don't, I don't know. But in his work, in his, <laughs> it, was a weird, it was a weird tweet. In, in his yeah, work in his. I think he does, like, I mean, kind of my, just trying to make sense of what he was trying to say there. Mm-hmm. I think it's like, he was speaking in generalizations. And he, would... he asked, a, he, had, he phrased it as a question, which is a fig leaf, I suppose. Mm-hmm. He, he was just like, I'm just saying, you know, like, but, oh, well, then why? Like, of all the beautiful questions one could ask, why that one? Why today? I don't know. But I think it does kind of point to the, the other question, which is, why does he care so much, right? Like, what's wrong if we pretended like everyone had the same yeah. uh, innate capabilities, right? Like, it's pretty much already... Uh, established that there is more overlap than there is uh, variance between uh, in groups. Yeah. So, I think he does do. Uh, maybe one criticism I have is like he doesn't do a very good job of explaining why he's 
concerned. He's just like, this yeah. is the facts, and that's what the world is like, and you can't do anything about it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I can definitely see, like, or maybe this is something you relate to, is just like, why, why? Like, I don't see why it makes so much difference to you that it should be that way. And even right. if it is true, like, I mean, what would be the problem? He's talking about something in particular, usually, right? Like, I mean, well, what, what, when is he just purely talking about gender without, like, talking about something that it relates to? Well, I mean, I think, well, the tweet, but also, I mean, in the example of, uh, that I was talking about where he was talking about personality briefly slipped in biological differences mm-hmm. between men and women and then went immediately to Democrats and Republicans. I mean, what was that doing there? Why was that there? And in my article, I suggest it's because he was trying to convince people, to, or at least the effect was that it convinced people that there was, like, uh, studies backing up the idea that Democrats and Republicans are biologically different. And it was a weird little subterfuge, so... I mean, I definitely agree with that as well. With him. Mm-hmm. Have you read The Righteous Mind by Jonathan Haidt? I have not, um, no. That, that's a really good book, just, mm-hmm. just in general. But, mm-hmm. I mean, he's he's one of the pioneers of like the research on personality differences mm, between, interesting. Okay. between yeah. uh, liberals and conservatives, basically, mm. and Democrats and Republicans. And, and that'll also, like, that also, I think, talks about like differences between men and women as well. Mm-hmm. And agree- mm-hmm. agreeableness tends to be the one that's significant for political differences which I there I mean I, I will say like mm-hmm. I, I think this isn't like a matter of debate I think there are like personality differences and I mean that'll mm-hmm. come up in any psychology research like in general mm-hmm. yeah no but, I mean I think yeah I would agree that there are personality differences between men and women I think our big disagreement generally I think our mm-hmm. big disagreement is why why are there personality differences? But as of now, in society today, I think you're right. There are significant differences in the way men and women act. The, the disagreeable, disagreeable thing. I think it's because women are told to be more agreeable. That didn't work on me, but <laughs> the message is there. Uh, but or or not. But yeah, we can definitely yeah. come to and a common ground that there's differences. Yeah. I, I, yeah, and I, I guess I would. Yeah, I would disagree about the causes. Yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't think. That's some, I mean, I don't think it's something that changes over people's lifetime. Because you can like, you can find an infant like if you, uh, put like a drop of, um, like a citric acid or something on a baby's tongue, mm-hmm. you can see how much saliva that they produce, and you can see how, um, introverted they are based on that. Like they react mm-hmm. more; they're more introverted. And uh, same with like intelligence scores, um, and just like uh, any like heritable personality characteristic it, it's very stable generally from the age mm-hmm. of, like, that they're like five until the age of like 40 mm-hmm. like the correlation between that will be like 28 something like that i mean i'm once again emphatically not a biologist and in really dangerous territory but i mean i don't think i don't think too many people would argue that genetics don't play a huge role in who mm-hmm. you turn out to be i think the question is whether you can reduce the, that genetic difference to like one chromosome like well, I, I don't think that's part of like anyone's argument, mm. including Jordan Peterson. No, I, I don't think. He, yeah, I don't think he talks about that. No. Well, I mean, the idea that being male or female has huge biological differences—not in physiology, but in—and I, I, since this is recorded, I'll just like to make it clear that when I'm talking about male <laughs> and female, I am talking about biological sex. I am not talking about gender. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and like. 
I don't, uh, we haven't really like published anything yet. Really. Okay, yeah, gotcha. <laughs> Except for one, which is just us. So yeah, we will definitely ask your permission before we do anything. Well, I appreciate it. I... <laughs> yeah, I don't think we'll <laughs> No, it's cool to do though. Like, I mean, look, I don't have a problem at all, but uh, yeah, you know, look, I... You gotta be a reader for one more year. <laughs> <laughs> well, and honestly, I look, I think like, I would like to someday, maybe as a society, get to the point where biological sex is as interesting as like you're blonde, you're brown haired, and like it doesn't have a lot to do with. I, I, I think gender is a load of crap, but that's a whole different subject that we could discuss some other time, I suppose. Hmm.